And here we go. Here we go on this Monday evening. It is the sixth day of March, 2023, six o'clock straight up, which means it is time for Real Talk Memphis. Very happy to have you with us uh, on this beautiful evening to an absolutely glorious day. Temperatures are pushing 80 degrees today, by the way. Uh, and we are going to see temperatures uh, close to that tomorrow as well before the rain moves in on Wednesday and Thursday, but we will deal with today and take what we have right now. So happy to have you all uh, joining us out there for a uh, wonderful edition. And before I get started, happy Women's History Month. Uh, this month is dedicated uh, to uh, all these wonderful ladies out here who are doing absolutely amazing and wonderful things. And, uh, you know, I, for one, salute you. You know, I have two, two wonderful, intelligent, very smart women on my crew. Uh, Lola is one and Nicole is the other. By the way, uh, Nicole is actually uh, uh, did a little guest stint on TMZ. Yeah, that show, TMZ, the gossip show. I don't know how they picked her or why they picked her, but she did a segment uh, earlier today that is going to be on tonight. What, midnight? It's going to be on midnight. Fox? On Fox 13. She's drinking. That's what she is. <laughs> okay, so midnight tonight. So those of you who like to stay up late, you can check it out tonight on Fox 13. Our own Nicole Covington uh, is going to be on a guest on TMZ. So that's, that's big time stuff. Um, we have a good show for you tonight. Uh, I think uh, in honor of Women's History Month, uh, we're going to have someone who is our first guest who is a history maker, seriously a history maker. Uh, her name is Claire Phelps, and uh, she is the first black woman to ever create a chemical formula to be added to the periodic table. Now, this is like the you know nuclear, you know scientific stuff, big time. And uh, she was part of a team up at Oak Ridge, uh, the laboratory up there, and they created uh, a formula which is 117, I believe, and the uh, it's called Tennessee. Uh, that is what it's called. And again, first time ever uh, in, the, in the history as a black woman who's e ever to do that, ever. So that's a big, big deal. Oh, and did I mention that she's my cousin? Because she's my cousin. And anyway, <laughs> I'm very proud of her. We'll talk to her in just a couple of minutes. Uh, also on the show tonight, we will have uh, Charlie Caswell, uh, who is the county commissioner. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk tonight about a, a subject that has really uh, sort of taken uh, growth on its own. And, and that is uh, really our young people are going through a lot of stress and a lot of pressure these days. Uh, it's called adverse childhood trauma, which Charlie is an expert in. And we're going to talk about that peer pressure and how that could lead to teen suicide. Uh, these are very important conversations that we have to have because we see it more and more in terms of the mental health of our youngsters uh, each and every day. And a little bit later on, we'll speak with Sam O'Brien. And Sam is the executive director of literacy of the Mid-South. And he's going to talk to us about uh, what they are up to. And of course, how important it is uh, for all of us to get behind the effort of literacy. You know, the, you know, we have to get our kids and our young folks ready uh, to take over on one uh, day. So you may ask yourself right about this time each and every week, how do I get this fine piece of radio broadcasting? Well, Lola, is going to share that with us. Go ahead, Lola. Uh, yes, you can find this fine, fine piece of broadcasting live right here on 91.7 WYXR. Yes. Or the WYXR app, the TuneIn app, Facebook Live, 
And when it posts Tuesday, available on YouTube, Twitter, and wherever you get your podcasts. Well, look at that. That's a that's a pretty doggone nice way to handle that, and uh, we appreciate that, Lola. So, uh, also this time of the broadcast, many of you celebrated birthdays here recently. Some over the weekend and yesterday, and many of you had birthdays today. You have it this week. Well, we like to do a little thing on this broadcast called the shout out and nobody shouts out birthdays uh, anywhere in this country like we do right here on real talk memphis but i can't do any of that until i say hit it lola all right all right happy birthday happy birthday happy birthday going out to the following vera epps i love vera epps she is a member of our church full view missionary baptist church Today is her birthday. Happy birthday to you. Also celebrating today, Sydney P. Malone. Larry Robinson is celebrating from Kazookian uh, Productions. Uh, Art Gilliam, uh, the president and CEO of WLOK Radio, is celebrating his birthday today. You know, uh, he just recently celebrated an anniversary, the 46th anniversary of uh, his purchasing of WLOK Radio uh, back in 1977. Uh, he is the first and he is still the only black-owned radio station in this city. Happy birthday, Mr. G. Also celebrating today is Nikki Michelle, Amanda Crenshaw. Happy birthday, Rochelle Malone and Vernon O'Neill Jones. Happy birthday to each and every one of you. I hope uh, that uh, this day has been filled with fun and laughter and that we are here next year. Oh! Pardon me, ladies and gentlemen. The magnificent Lola has a birthday she would like to shout out. Go ahead. Happy birthday, Miss Latanya Rayford. Enjoy it. Latanya Rayford, you have a good birthday as well. And it's each and every one of you. Uh, we hope to be around here next year to celebrate your next trip around the sun. Thank you, Lola. Okay. So now we need to get into some news and notes. And uh, as of uh, not too long ago, we have had four people killed in this city today. Uh, we had a stabbing earlier this morning where one gentleman died. We had a uh, a triple, uh, well, quadruple shooting. Four people were shot uh, at an apartment complex in Whitehaven earlier today. Two of those people died. Uh, the other two are in critical condition. And then uh, not too long ago, we had a gentleman uh, shot to death uh, in Fraser. Four deaths in our city in one day. That is this day. Uh, so, again, uh, you know, we, 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 we pray for those affected by situations like this. And we also pray that common sense will come to uh, us at one point in time to understand that we don't need to take each other out uh, in the process. So um, everyone is talking about John Morant. And, uh, you know, his antics on Instagram Live early on Saturday morning, about 5 a.m., apparently he was at a club somewhere and, and he actually uh, pulled out a gun, looked like a gun, and, and waved in front of the camera. Uh, there is a swift backlash on that. Uh, he has been removed from the team uh, for at least two ball games, one of which was uh, last night, which they lost. And then they're out because they're out in West Coast. They're out in L.A. and they play the Lakers tomorrow night. Uh, pretty sure there will probably be more discipline issued, not only by the team, but more so by uh, the NBA uh, for personal conduct, the violations and other things. We don't know how all that is going to shake out. Uh, but, uh, you know, at 23 years of age, uh, he's a basketball superstar. 
Uh, he is someone that whether he knows it or not or likes it or not, people are watching. He is a role model in this city. And he is a, an example of what hard work uh, is all about in terms of his prow- prowess on the basketball court. But he needs to grow up and uh, he needs to mature. Uh, we all make mistakes when we're young. Uh, you know, when you're, when you're young, uh, being a rebel is a, is a, is a, is a, is a right you know, that, that, that most of them have. Uh, but this is a time now, a very serious time, where he needs to reassess himself, uh, you know, his situation, his circumstances, the folks he's hanging out with, uh, and, 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 and reassess all of that and understand uh, that, uh, you know, when you are uh, on as high a pedal, pedestal as he has been placed, uh, that you do have a responsibility uh, to uh, do the right thing. And uh, that wasn't the right thing. So we'll have to wait and see uh, what, uh, what the penalty is in terms of the uh, NBA uh, that could be coming down in reference to him uh, in terms of all of this. We wrap our arms around him and we tell him that we love him and uh, folks make mistakes, we understand, but now it's time uh, to refocus and to reset and to get serious at, at 23 years of age. It's still young, you still have time uh, to uh, do what is needed uh, to uh, you know, recapture uh, the type of image that you want, especially for that cute little baby girl uh, that you have. Um, I'm going to talk about Chris Rock in just a minute. Uh, Chris, Chris Rock had a special on Netflix over the weekend uh, that was pretty funny. And uh, I will say this. Uh, he let everybody know that he's still irritated with uh, Will Smith. I think more so he's more irritated with Will Smith's wife, uh, Jada Pinkett Smith. Uh, I think they have a beef going back some years. Uh, but uh, Chris Rock waited till the very last part of his show, last 10 minutes, to unleash fury about that whole situation and how angry he was and, and uh, you know, how, how he said he watched the movie Emancipation that Will, <laughs> Will Smith uh, was recently in, and he was rooting for the, for the master to keep beating him. Hit him again. Hit him again. Hit him again. You know. So, but I honestly think that in masking all of that, I think it was very clear that he still feels, uh, you know, something about all of that, and uh, you know, he 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 let it out uh, on the big stage on Netflix. Um, if you have Netflix, just call it up, Chris Rock, and I'll be, uh, you'll you'll be able to see. It was about an hour uh, long um, special that he had uh, on uh, last night. So. Uh, we, uh, you know, there's still there's some conversation. I don't know if many of you are aware of it, but a Tennessee legislator by the name of Paul Sherrill from Sparta, Tennessee, uh, has issued an apology in uh, saying that he wanted to add hanging by a tree as a form of capital punishment. He said he wanted to add it to a provision to a crime bill backing a firing squad for death row inmates. Now, this is uh, the kind of thinking uh, and uh, the kind of statement that uh, hastens back to a very dark and difficult time for many people uh, in this country's history. Uh, and uh, it clearly should not have been said. The only reason more people found out about this is because it started to enter social media. And once it enters the social media world, then people start to pick it up. And that is uh, why he decided to uh, issue uh, an apology uh, for what he uh, said. Uh, let's see here. Oh, we have another person who uh, has thrown his hat in the ring for mayor of the city of Memphis. 
businessman J.W. Gibson uh, has thrown his hat into the ring. Uh, he decided today to make the announcement that he is running. And uh, he's now what? He's like 13. I think he's like the 13th candidate uh, for mayor. So, it, you know, this keeps going on and on and on. Eventually, we'll pair all this out and we'll, we'll tend to, to move forward uh, in, in, in the progress of all of this. All right, that's about all I have for news and notes today. Uh, we are going to take our first break. And when we come back, uh, we are going to uh, speak to someone who is the epitome of Women's History Month. Uh, she has done something no black woman in this country has ever done uh, before. Nice tease, huh? This is Real Talk Memphis. I am Chip. You know who you are. Quick break. Don't go too far away. We'll be right back. If you like Real Talk, here's a way you can get involved. Do you have a show topic idea or suggestion? Want to be considered a guest or have a guest idea? Then send Chip a message on his Real Talk show page and you can be a part of the Real Talk experience. So as he always says, go out and tell somebody. We'll be right back. WYXR Stereo Sessions, presented by Mempho, returns March 8th, where we'll be diving to the psychedelic sounds of New Zealand Trading Company with their album's producer, Natalie Rosenberg. RSVP for the free event at WYXR.org. WYXR is supported by Minglewood Hall, presenting Big Head Todd and the Monsters. Spanning three and a half decades of touring and recording, Big Head Todd and the Monsters is a blues-inspired rock band and has earned endorsements from Robert Plant to the Denver Broncos. More information at MinglewoodHallMemphis.com. Like what you're hearing? WYXR is a listener-supported station. Help keep the sound of Memphis alive by donating at WYXR.org. WYXR is community radio. So why not help us spread our sound through the community? Be a part of our growth by sharing our station and our mobile app with a friend. Visit us at WYXR underscore Memphis on social and tag your closest pals. Let someone you love know about 91.7 FM. It's easy. Our sound is made just for you. So let's make it louder. Get Real Talk on the TuneIn mobile app under WYXR, and he's now streaming live on Facebook. And you can also catch a rebroadcast on YouTube. Just put WYXR in the search box and hit subscribe. Now back to more Real Talk with Chip Washington. And welcome back to Real Talk Memphis on this uh, beautiful Monday evening in the city. Chip here. Glad you are with us and uh, very happy uh, to have our first guest with us uh, this evening. Uh, she's at her daughter's Girl Scout meeting, so we're not going to keep her. We're not going to hold her long. But uh, she is uh, a woman of first. She is the first black woman to help create a chemical formula to be added to the periodic table. Uh, I believe it's 117 and it's called Tennessee. Uh, she is Claire Phelps and Claire, it is so good to see you uh, and congratulations, my cousin, on uh, this wonderful achievement. 
thanks, cousin. Um, just one quick uh, note. It's not a chemical formula. It's a just. It's just a new element. A new element. So when you. Yeah, it's just a new element on the periodic table. So um, when you say like chemical formula, it's mainly like chemistry, which deals like the outer shell electrons, but elements you're dealing with like the nucleus, like changes in the nucleus. Nucleus so. is, okay, I, I stand corrected, but that's still pretty big. You said that really kind of casual, but that's a big deal. And uh, <laughs> you are, you are, as a, you are uh, the first black woman to ever be a part of a team uh, that created something like this. So, you know, again, I yeah. asked the question, how do you feel about all of this? This is an amazing accomplishment. Has it really sunk in yet? I've seen you on CNN and a lot of some of some big national shows, but I mean, has all of this sunk in in terms of uh, the accomplishment itself? Uh, no, it still kind of seems surreal. You know, you have that. Um, you kind of have that. This is this can't be real. Surely there is somebody. I mean, every day I'm like, surely there's got to be. But I mean, there there really aren't a lot of, um, you know, back when they were discovering a lot of elements, you know, back to back to back. There weren't any um, black people involved in element discovery. There was a lot of um, work done out at Berkeley and and some other national labs to contribute to the elements on the periodic table. And the only other black person associated with element discovery was a man named James Harris. And he contributed to um, the discovery of elements 104 and 105, but he's since passed. But um, yeah, they, and that was many, many years ago. So since then there's been no black woman that's been involved. And so it's an honor, it's a privilege to, you know, make my mark on history. I definitely didn't, you know, walk into the lab that day. I was like, ah, I think I'll just be the first black lady to, <laughs> you know, discover an element, help discover an element. So. Well, that's a, it, it. It really is a, a very, very uh, a tall accomplishment. And you know, I've been reading a little bit about all of this, and uh, uh, you, you've you've been, but you've really been in this uh, in this field in this area in particular. Uh, you know, for, for for a very long time, this this whole you know deal with nuclear and and, and, and elements and, and things like that. You you know, you were you were in the Navy. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Hoorah. yeah, you, you, you've had a, you've had a story background and I believe, uh, didn't I read that you are, you were going for your PhD now? Yes. In, yep. in, in what yep. nuclear, what is it? Nuclear engineering. Nuclear engineering. That's a big brain. Yes. That's a big brain. I, I'm, just, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm just telling you now, you know, we hear all of the time that, uh, one of the things, uh, that, uh, many school districts and systems out here are really uh, trying to promote, uh, is this whole issue of, of STEM, uh, you know, mm -hmm. and, and a lot of kids really learning about that. And I've heard many people say, uh, that, that STEM, uh, education really is the future. Uh, first of all, do you think that is true? And secondly, I want to hear about this uh, this group of young uh, ladies uh, that that you are trying to uh, uh, mentor in that particular area. I, you know, of course, absolutely. I think STEM is the future because you know, um, science and com you can you can find science in almost everything. Um, you know, math and everything, engineering in, in almost everything, um, technology. So STEM covers all of those things, science, technology, engineering, and math. Those are all things that if we don't progress forward, I don't think moving forward and progressing as a society will even happen. I mean, you have to have new ideas, new inventions, and science really teaches you a different way to think. And it teaches you to be very, um, 
detail oriented. And so I think by doing that, you become more aware. You you make yourself smarter by being aware of, you know, what's going on around you and like, hey, maybe I can think of a different way to make this better engineering. And so um, and engineering involves lots of math. And so I definitely think STEM yeah. is um, a huge part of moving society forward and um, as far as the, the young um, the young people so we work with um, young girls and boys K through um, 12th grade with YOSTEM and YOSTEM is a nonprofit organization uh, that was founded in 2017 by one of my colleagues out at Oak Ridge National Lab named Candace Halbert and we uh, our purpose is to bring STEM education and awareness uh, to historically underrepresented groups. So that includes, mm. you know, black and brown people, that includes the LGBTQ plus community, that includes differently abled people. And just to expose them to science and get them to, to see themselves in science and know that this is something that they can do, um, even though the resources and the ability to do so may not be afforded to them. So we bring it to them. Well, that's absolutely uh, awe-inspiring and, and amazing. I, I uh, when I was doing my research for this, I noticed that uh, one of your your childhood heroes uh, was uh, the astronaut Mae Jemison, uh, and you had a poster mm-hmm. of her on on your wall at home. Why was she so inspirational uh, to you as as you were coming up? Well, you know, I always love science or like tinkering with things, taking things apart and um, looking in the encyclopedias and all the shiny pages at scientists <laughs> and see what they did. And I just really didn't see a lot of black people or people that look like me. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, representation doesn't matter. You know, I'm like, well, it mattered to the seven year old little girl who would flip through the uh, books and not see anybody that looked like her. It matters. It matters to individuals. And so uh, when I went to the seventh grade and my science teacher, um, he, um, rest in peace, Mr. Bass, but uh, he exposed us to how science can be fun. Mm-hmm. And he talked about Mae Jemison. And I was like, oh my God, there's a black woman who's an astronaut. And so of course I wanted to be an astronaut for a little while, sure. but I'd soon gave that up. But uh, you know, cause I liked, I liked chemistry, but she was the very first black woman astronaut and I was just totally enthralled with her. And so I had a poster um, in my room, you know, everybody else might've had like some, you know, rock star or girl or whatever, <laughs> yeah. but I had uh, Mae Jemison yeah. on my wall. <laughs> well, well, you know, what you're doing now is is a really uh, inspiring uh, a new generation, uh, particularly with this accomplishment, which is, which is again, no, no small deal. And really why I wanted to have you on, on the show tonight, because uh, it just shows uh, that uh, with uh, with effort and determination and hard work, which is I'm sure is what you're teaching uh, uh, the young folks in your STEM, uh, you can accomplish uh, great things, uh, you know, and and I'm pretty sure that after this uh, accomplishment uh, from you, uh, you are looking forward to the next generation and seeing uh, what comes next. Yes, definitely. So, I mean, we're not going to be around forever. And I think if we can pour into these students now and let them know like science isn't boring, you know, it can be fun, it can be interesting, and it is an option for you. We're not trying to like force people into science, but you know, you have to meet them where they are. Mm -hmm. And 
half of that is like making it fun, making it interesting, uh, making it relevant to real life so they can see how this applies to them. And then you plant that seed and it, it can grow and it can turn into, you know, the future element discoverers, the future engineers and mathematicians, physicists and and um, and professors. And so you just never know uh, where those kids will go. And I think it just takes one person to give them a chance. And there were a lot of people that gave me like took a gamble mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and gave me a chance and that's how i've been able to get to where i'm at because um and i'll i, I hope i'm not taking up too much time no you're but, fine you're fine uh, I, it took me a long time <laughs> it took me a long time to get into uh, graduate school to my master's program because I didn't have a great GPA in um, undergrad. And so, you know, by the time I tried to get into uh, graduate school, I was removed from my undergraduate life by over a decade, almost two decades. Don't want to give away, but anyway. And so it <laughs> took one professor. Yeah. I talked to him on the phone. He was like, you had a lot of fun in college, didn't you? And I was like, yes, I did. Mm -hmm. But I'm a totally different person now. You know, I'm not this 21 year old who's trying to kick it. And so he gave me a chance and I um, got into my master's program and was able to finish my um, master's degree. And I had a GPA I never, ever thought that I would have. I had like a 3.7 name. Wow. And I was like, I've never imagined that I would have a GPA that high. And that's because somebody gave me a chance and they knew that I, I was capable. They saw the potential. And that's what I hope that these kids get from the interactions that we have with them is that somebody out there is is taking taking their time and giving me a chance so they have no choice but to succeed well you know <laughs> what you know what you will always be and, and it will always be you know by your name uh the first and and i i'm just i'm i'm, I'm very very proud uh, you know, uh, of you as a person and, you know, as, 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 you know, we, we were going back and forth, you know, we are cousins, but I mean, I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just ecstatic about, about the accomplishment, you know, that you made and being the first black woman to help create an element, uh, to be on the periodic table is a very, very big deal. And, uh, congratulations to you. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, I know you're a mother of three beautiful little babies, uh, and to do what mm -hmm. you did, you know, and be a mother as you're at a meeting right now for Girl Scouts, I'm going to let you go. <laughs> uh, but, uh, thank you, Claire. Uh, thank you, cousin Claire for coming on the show tonight. I really appreciate it. And, and seriously, sincere congratulations to you and, and all my best to the family. Yes. Thank you, cousin Chip. Talk to you soon, buddy. Uh, you take care now. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right. All right. Claire Phelps, ladies and gentlemen, uh, again, the first black woman to help create an element uh, to be added to the periodic table. It's called uh, Tennessee. And, uh, yeah, go to the periodic table and check it out. That's big, big stuff. Uh, congratulations to her and all of her folk and her colleagues up there at the uh, – at the uh, the uh, the lab uh, that she that she works in uh, up there in Tennessee, uh, we're going to take another break. Uh, uh, and uh, Oak Ridge, I'm sorry, I was trying to think of it as I was vamping there. Uh, the Oak Ridge uh, folks up there at the Oak Ridge Laboratory. We're going to take another commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to speak to Charlie Caswell, community organizer, community activist, and now county commissioner on adverse childhood trauma. This is the Monday edition, of course, of Real Talk Memphis. Another quick break. We'll be right back.
If you like Real Talk, here's a way you can get involved. Do you have a show topic idea or suggestion? Want to be considered a guest or have a guest idea? Then send Chip a message on his Real Talk show page and you can be a part of the Real Talk experience. So as he always says, go out and tell somebody. We'll be right back. This is Clarkport Keys with Crosstown Brewing Company. WYXR is supported by Crosstown Brewing Company's CBC Classic Golf Tournament on Saturday, April 1st at the Links at Galloway. A portion of the proceeds will benefit WYXR. More information available at crosstownbeer.com. Do you want to place your company in front of Memphis cultural consumers and influencers? How about interacting with them in a meaningful way? WIXR's second annual Stereo Sessions at the Memphis Listening Lab is back. We are looking for sponsors to support WIXR's exploration of unsung albums from the musical history of Memphis. For more information, email us at sponsorships at wyxr.org. Can't find your radio? Maybe you're out of town and missing that Memphis feeling? WIXR can go with you wherever you travel with our mobile app for Android and Apple. Listen live or explore our archive and keep up to date with notifications. Download in your mobile app store by searching WIXR radio app or visit WIXR.org for more information. Get Real Talk on the TuneIn mobile app under WYXR, and he's now streaming live on Facebook. And you can also catch a rebroadcast on YouTube. Just put WYXR in the search box and hit subscribe. Now back to more Real Talk with Chip Washington. Hey, welcome back to Real Talk Memphis on this Monday Lola's being silly over there on the console this evening. But we're very happy to have you with us. And uh, we're very happy to have our next guest with us. Uh, we all know him. Uh, he is a, an extraordinarily hard uh, working uh, young man. He is uh, a, uh, a community activist, uh, as, as I know him to be. Uh, he cares deeply uh, about his community. Uh, he is, uh, uh, you know, someone who is not afraid to say, uh, what he thinks about certain issues, and he's also uh, a county commissioner uh, serving his first term. He is Charlie Caswell, and Charlie, uh, it's good to see you again, my friend, uh, as uh, stated earlier, and uh, welcome back to Real Talk. Yes, sir. How you doing, man? I'm glad to be here with you. Thank you so much, man. Doing well. Thank you. Uh, so, so Charlie, first of all, before we get into the discussion that I brought you on here for about adverse childhood trauma, uh, this is your first uh, term uh, on the county commission. Uh, and yeah. uh, things are starting to roll, roll, roll down the road a little bit. How are you feeling about things so far uh, as, as your first uh, elected office? I, I tell you, these first six months have been some kind of busy. Uh, the good thing about it, uh, Chip, is that you know, when you do the work on the ground, it's, it's a little easier here in this role because you don't have to come in and, and try to act like you were doing it because we were already doing it. We just have a different level of capacity to work in now. Absolutely. Absolutely that. And so, Chella, you know, I wanted to talk to you because I, I'd seen something recently uh, and, I've, and I've seen it several times, uh, stories uh, nationally about our young people 
and uh, really about uh, some of the uh, some of the issues that they are dealing with uh, these days. Uh, and it, I think it all boils down to uh, something I've heard you speak on many times, which is adverse childhood trauma which uh, you know of course leads to there's always terrible peer pressure you know in schools to try to, to conform to this and that and the and the other uh and and it, it leads to uh teen suicide and sadness you know like you know it's it, it leads to uh you know sadness uh and 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 you know that they don't feel uh, like they want to even be here anymore you know because they're dealing with uh, pressure from their from their friends and bullying and teasing and things like that Tell me how all of this uh, is uh, as a result uh, in reference to adverse childhood trauma. Well, you know, uh, uh, Chip, this is a real deep, deep conversation, deep uh, situation when we talk about the adverse childhood experience. For me, as a young boy, grew up in the Dixon Home Projects at 14 years old. I witnessed one of my friends killed right in front of me. Mm. 15 years old, seen another friend shot in his head. So I grew up as an angry young child and many times one is school, all I can remember uh, going to school after that is hearing the teacher say, we're your number two person. And why it's important to understand the childhood experiences, uh, the Center for Disease Control, the same people who came out and told us about the pandemic, watch our hand, watch our distance, done the, uh, a, 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 a large research back in 1995-96, where about 17,300 individuals. And in that research, they showed those who had higher adverse childhood experience was 1,200. If they had four or more adverse childhood experiences, meaning that any physical abuse, emotional abuse, physical neglect, emotional neglect, household dysfunction, such as drug use in the home, domestic mm. abuse in the home, mm. separation of parents in the home, mental illness in the home, those adverse childhood experience, those who experienced four or more before their 18th birthday was 1,200 times more likely to attempt suicide. And so when you talk about they were 40 to 50 percent more likely to use drugs and alcohol, 50 percent more likely to drop out of high school. So the higher the adverse childhood experiences before your 18th birthday, the more social impact it had on that child. So what we're seeing has not only been researched at that time, it's now been done all over the world and the data continue to show the same outcome. Mm -hmm. So this is why it's been important to meet you that we focus on creating safe, healthy, nurturing environments. Because it's not just the adverse childhood experiences that they experience, it's the adverse community experiences that many of them. It turns into acute trauma that's that's continued to add up. You're getting it at home, you're seeing it on TV, it's happening in your neighborhood, and now all of this is just adding up to normalizing hopelessness because no one is talking about it. You know uh, that that that's very deep, uh, you know, summary uh, in in reference to what you just said, and and it really is. Uh, it, it's sad that, that that so much of this, you know, starts at home, and, and, and some of the numbers you were giving there, you know, how many times more, you know, a child is, uh, you know, based on what happens at home, uh, the actions that happen at home, uh, and as that and as that as they move along, uh, the pressure that it causes. You also mentioned uh, uh, once before about uh, the element of COVID and how deeply uh, that affected so many of our young people. Talk about that. Yeah, man. You know, when when COVID happened, sadly, uh, many people had to go into their silo, into back into that. Uh, What's the word? Quarantine. And so you, they didn't go to school. They didn't see a coach. So when they was living in that home already that had domestic abuse, that drug dealing, that drug using, the gang banging, the gun violence, they just was stuck there for two years, not talking to a coach, not talking to a teacher, not 
talking to a social worker. It just had to sit in that trauma. And so you wonder why in 2021, we had the largest murder outcomes because not only was these youth sitting in it, the, the grown folks had to sit in it and the grown folks had to, again, deal with it. And these are grown people who may not ever have addressed their own trauma. And sadly, Chip, what happens is hurt people hurt people, heal people heal people. So if these individuals are hurting and all they are doing is sitting in hurt, 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 guess what? We're going to begin to experience that hurt in our communities. And then as they went back to school, we're seeing a lot of bullying and things that are going on because these children never had that trauma addressed. So uh, based on what you just said, I don't think that it is uh, a surprise uh, to you. Uh, the uh, high uh, volume of youth violence that we are seeing in our city. I mean, we're being taken over, uh, yeah. you know, in terms of violence by young people as young as 12, 13, 14 years old. Uh, yeah. I take it based on what you said and maybe some other factors that you're not really surprised at this, but this is, I tell you, this is a very, very sad time for us in a city. And in particular, we're talking about our juvenile population. Oh, again, I often say this, Chip, when I do my interviews about this subject, is there there was an epidemic before the pandemic. Now we are experiencing a pandemic of mental uh, trauma that was not addressed. So, you know, when you look at the pandemic, well, yes, we addressed the fact people needed vaccine, the fact people needed food, the fact people needed dollars for housing and what have you. Mm -hmm. But we didn't address was mental illness. I'm going to give you a sad fact that I saw coming into the county commission. So in the budget of the money that was approved, $180 million, hear me now, mm -hmm. uh, that was approved from opera dollars to Chevy County, the line item for mental health was $8,500. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So that told me that these individuals were no, didn't have enough foresight to know because, again, they didn't understand there was an epidemic before the pandemic. We were already dealing with trauma before they even went to the fact that they had to sit in it. We closed down schools, we closed down the communities, and these individuals had to sit in it, and we had not enough foresight to know that we needed to have enough dollars ready to address these homes. And the thing that I did, and I believe this is no doubt what got me elected because you know the work that I do, even in that pandemic, two things we did. We opened up our church. We had a virtual school because we knew many of our parents couldn't make it already. Right. We had virtual school going on. Right. And we opened a clinic in the middle of a pandemic. So we had a military wellness checkups every three times a week. The uh, Bonner Hospital coming in twice a week. Uh, seeing these kids for physical checkups. What Labana data is showing that they're seeing 70% more children even now than they were seeing at 30% only showing up at the medical district that was coming out of our community. And so we knew that we were, again, needing to address this thing head on as a community because we already knew there was an epidemic before this pandemic. If you're just joining us, we're speaking with uh, County Commissioner Charlie Carswell, and we're talking about uh, uh, adverse uh, childhood uh, uh, trauma, peer pressure, teen suicide. And Charlie is, is has been working in this field for, for a very, very long time and uh, just uh, trying to, to get his take on, 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 on where we are. So, so Charlie, wh where do we go from here? How do we reach uh, these young people? Because not only, you know, are they taking themselves, you know, out, uh, you know, with uh, gun violence in particular, but we're starting to lose a generation here. I mean, you know, whether, I mean, we're, we're, we're killing ourselves and we're killing other people with no regard uh, for human life or whatsoever. 
what can we do? How do how, how do we try to steer this ship back in a, in 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 a, in, a, in a forward direction? One of the things I'm gonna say, and again, to parents that's out there who never really and saw the value in getting counseling themselves, getting help for themselves. So if you're hurt, you don't know how to help people uh, when you're hurting. I mean, I have parents even while we had our program going on saying, "Oh, they'll be all right." I went through this when I was a child. And you're wondering why you are dealing with what you're dealing with. So don't be ashamed to tell people when you need help. You need to seek out counseling. There are resources and supports that are out there. I can tell you everything from a legacy of legends organization, University of Tennessee, you village. Go talk to somebody about the trauma that you are dealing with as a Dutch, first of all, so that you can be able to talk with your children about the, the issues that they are dealing with. The children thinking something wrong with them, Brother Chip. I grew up, I'm, I'm telling you, my first marriage was a hell, and I can say I caused a lot of it because I was such an angry young man because mm-hmm. I witnessed those murders. Mm-hmm. When anything triggered me, when my wife said something to me in my first marriage, it, it triggered me. I didn't know what was wrong. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking growing up, there's something wrong with me until I found out about adverse childhood experience and I, and I, and I got the revelation it was not what was wrong, it was what happened. So we as a community got to be intentional about addressing what happened. A pandemic happened to us in the middle of the fact that we already was dealing with so much poverty, so many other uh, adverse community experience, racism, and those things that are deep rooted that uh, that has been transferred generation to generation. At some point, we have to say enough is enough. It's time for us to heal. And that's why, you know, we're making uh, taking drastic uh, actions and some may call it radical in that we we even pursue reparation as a real conversation in Chevy County Mm -hmm. because we understand it was what happened and and what what that's going to bring about. And that's another subject for another day. But what that would bring about is us being able to address why we have not healed yet because we have not addressed these deep rooted issues in our communities. So I think as a community, first start at home, Yeah, getting the, getting the help that you need, talking to somebody about your trauma. It's okay that you're not okay. Mm-hmm. And, and be able to say that. And be able to say that to your children. And allow your children the space to say that when they're not okay. And don't hold them accountable or to a standard that you don't even. And a lot of times we as parents, when you don't, when you're not healed and your child comes into you hurt, you try to hold them to a higher standard than you have dealt with. Yeah. And, and that becomes a ripple effect out into our communities. And, and then as a community, we got to seek a way that we then have conversations. You got to understand, we went back into our silos. So as a community, we got to, the church, the pastor got to talk to the police. The police got to talk to the politician. Politician got to talk to the parents. Yeah. Parents got to talk to the principals. And when we began to have those real conversations, then we can begin to change our nation. That's what I see. Charlie Caswell, uh, county commissioner, community activist, uh, a caring man. Thank you, Charlie, for coming on uh, and uh, talking uh, very real about a very real uh, problem that we're, we're faced with uh, with our young folks today. Keep doing the good work, my friend, and we'll talk to you down Thank the you. road. Thank you, Chip. Talk with you later. Take care, man. Thank you so much. Oh. Charlie Caswell, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take our uh, final break. And when we come back, we're going to be speaking with the executive director of Literacy Mid-South. His name is Sam O'Brien. This is Real Talk Memphis for a beautiful Monday evening. We'll be right back.
If you like Real Talk, here's a way you can get involved. Do you have a show topic idea or suggestion? Want to be considered a guest or have a guest idea? Then send Chip a message on his Real Talk show page and you can be a part of the Real Talk experience. So as he always says, go out and tell somebody. We'll be right back. Do you want to place your company in front of Memphis cultural consumers and influencers? How about interacting with them in a meaningful way? WIXR's second annual Stereo Sessions at the Memphis Listening Lab is back. We are looking for sponsors to support WIXR's exploration of unsung albums from the musical history of Memphis. For more information, email us at sponsorships at wyxr.org. WYXR is supported by Shell Days Music Festival, presented by Mempho, April 21st and 22nd at Overton Park Shell. Shell Days will feature two days of music with Trampled by Turtles, Southern Avenue, Leftover Salmon, Neil Francis, Paul Thorne, and Bailey Bigger. More information at memphopresents.com. Hey, I'm Will from Crosstown Brewing Company. We support WYXR 91.7 FM. A favorite beer is just like a favorite song. We feel something new every time we encounter them. Cheers to playing the hits and tasting the notes. Get Real Talk on the TuneIn mobile app under WYXR, and he's now streaming live on Facebook. And you can also catch a rebroadcast on YouTube. Just put WYXR in the search box and hit subscribe. Now back to more Real Talk with Chip Washington. And we welcome you back to Real Talk Memphis on this Monday evening. I hope you're enjoying the show. Uh, my next guest uh, is uh, someone who is uh, deep in our community and he cares about the literacy of uh, all of us. Uh, he is Sam O'Brien, and uh, Sam is the Executive Director of Liter- Literacy Mid-South. And Sam, it's good to see you. Uh, and uh, congratulations on, uh, you know, on uh, leading literacy mid-south but before uh, we get too deep into this for folks who really don't understand your your focus and your mission kind of kind of walk us through that if you don't mind yeah and uh and chip thanks for having me here this afternoon yes sir um so yeah so literacy mid-south man we've been around since 1974 so we're coming up on 50 years next year uh and the work that we do focuses on um providing literacy supports across the lifespan and so we do that through a number of programs. We do that through thought leadership and thought partnership with several um, you know, organizations across the county and the city. Uh, and we also have a, um, a, a tutoring program that's, that works during the day in about 14 elementary schools. So when, when we talk about literacy across the lifespan, lifespan excuse me, across the lifespan, uh, we're talking about just these different touch points, whether it is with new and expectant mothers, whether it is with, you know, adults who have, you know, lived their lives or even if it's in that kindergarten through fifth grade space, either uh, during the summertime or um, again, first through third grade during the school year, during the day. You know, it sounds trite to say it, but but it, it is, is, 
literacy is extraordinarily important. And it's also one of those uh, touch points, if you will, uh, you know, that that really uh, that really uh, needs more of a laser focus. You know, we've seen, you know, studies and, you know, about schools and things like that where the literacy, the reading levels and things like that aren't where they should be for children, you know, in, in on, on specific levels. Uh, but you talk about literacy, you know, through through the lifespan, uh, which which encompasses way more uh, than this the younger ones. But it really is. Do you do you feel like you place a more important component of, of the literacy on our younger uh, children? coming up well i would yeah I would, so i would say that you know i one i don't want to like give a, a level of importance because you, you kind of get into some some, some sticky situations when mm-hmm. you do that mm-hmm. because to your point literacy is something that all people have to have and have a, have access to and have an understanding of mm-hmm. um but i would say that when we look at where the attention is focused and in many ways where funding is focused either from the federal or state level uh, down to our departments of education at the state level, it tends to be in that first through third grade space. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say in particular, you know, we're looking at, you know, years and years of children um, in, uh, in, the, in our school districts, you know, probably maybe 30% of them reading um, at, a, at a level of proficiency. So we're talking about um, third grade, which is captured on end of the year test, which is the TCAP. And traditionally, um, about 30% of third graders are reading proficiently mm. uh, across our schools. Mm. Uh, and, and, uh, and just, you know, I knew I was just listening to you know, Charlie Caswell and, and his points where he was given earlier. You know, COVID really, um, really put a, put a damper on that. We saw like those reading scores drop down to about 11%. Uh, because of COVID, because, you know, children were not in schools and, you know, there was that sure. lack of face-to-face learning. Sure. Are we catching up now? Is is, is that is that is that the process? I mean, we spent two and a half years uh, basically shut down. And I know you were still trying to do your job during that period, uh, but because of the lack of so much uh, during that time span, you know, are, are we sort of playing catch up a, a bit in terms of, of getting our getting our folks back up to the level that maybe they should be? Yeah, so I think that we're we're at what you would call it a pre-pandemic level. So again, okay. it dropped down to about that 11, 12%. Right now we're back at, you know, 28, 29% mm-hmm. uh, for third grade proficiency. I, I believe the goal of uh, Memphis Shelby County Schools is to be at 40% by the end of 2024. So, you know, things are, you know, as they say, they are trending up. Uh, they are back to pre-pandemic levels. But, you know, there's a lot of things that are going on in the district, you know, during the day right now to really get kids back to, you know, something that's above 30%, hopefully above 40% by the time 2024 rolls around. You have been recognized uh, for for the uh, the work that you have done in the community. You've been uh, celebrated. Uh, I think it was thirty under thirty and forty under forty uh, for for just the contributions that you've made uh, to our city and our community as a whole. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, the partnerships uh, that uh, you all have established and how important it is for community involvement and engagement in order to be successful uh, in, in, in your mission uh, for for so many people. Right. So I can, what I'll do, I'll walk it back to just the work that we do and the partners that we work with. One thing we have to understand is that, you know, literacy happens in a school building, just say from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean that literacy stops, you know, when that school bell rings at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So the work that Literacy Mid-South has been doing for the, for a number of years has been working with groups like the Boys and Girls Club, you know, uh, the YMCA, 
Memphis Parks and Recreation, uh, Memphis Athletic Ministries, uh, Streets Ministries, just working with the students that they engage during, you know, what you would say an out of school time. So this is those extended break periods. Of course, we're talking about summer break, but we're also looking at spring break, fall break, those other times when kids are out of school. So while they're doing the existing programming of those organizations, uh, for the last few years, Literacy Mid-South has jumped in and provided literacy support while they're doing those pre-existing programming. And the reason why is we want to talk about what are the best practices toward mitigating summer learning loss uh, or any type of, you know, extended sure. break, any, any type of learning loss, you know, um, associated with an extended break. So that's how we do a lot of our work. Um, one other partnership just want to really get into real quick is because of that, because of understanding that the work that we do is complementary to the work in public ed. Yeah. Now we're starting to think about how do we piece together a community based plan yes. that, again, is complementary to what the district is doing. Again, the district has goals that they have to reach in many cases that are kind of laid out by the Department of Education. Uh, a community by itself typically does not have those goals. But that does not mean that those goals are not shared by us. So, again, we're talking about the ways that we can build our programs, our partnerships and really, you know, again, get kids to a space where they're back to above pre-pandemic levels. But how do we do that so that we're lock in step and aligned and complementary to the work that's going on in Memphis Shelby County Schools? Uh, real quick, Sam, how can we help? How can the community help you do uh, what, what you what you all need to do? And so real quick, you know, we are a nonprofit organization. Uh, so, of course, I, I, would, it would, I would be remiss if I didn't say that donating to Literacy Mid-South um, goes a long way. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, I would say that, you know, uh, for a parent to understand just what a, their child is studying, uh, a lot of times we have the best intentions, but we don't fully know what's going on. Right now, um, you know, students are gearing up for TCAP. This is something that's going to happen in about, uh, I don't want to say in about two to three weeks, because like, that testing window starts somewhere, you know, early April, like mid-April, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that right now what a community can do is find those ways to support parents who have children who are getting ready to take this assessment. So if this means, you know, finding ways to, you know, uh, make sure that kids have healthy meals, or, or rest before the, the, the before the test, that's one way of doing that. Uh, if this is um, something along the lines of just making sure that kids have everything they need mm -hmm. before that assessment. Again, a lot of things hinge on that assessment. A school district rises and falls because of those end of the year assessments. Mm -hmm. So if you know, if you are a community person and you know someone that has a child that's in this district, reach out to their parent and just talk through what are the ways we can support you while your child is about to take this assessment. Sam O'Brien, uh, Executive Director, Literacy Mid-South. Uh, thank you, Sam, for, for coming on the show and, and for all you do uh, for all of us here uh, in uh, Memphis and Shelby County. Uh, really appreciate your time and really appreciate everything that you've done. Thank you so much for coming on. All right, thanks for having me, Chip. Appreciate you, man. Hmm. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that puts a wrap on another broadcast tonight. Uh, Sam O'Brien and the folks at uh, Literacy Mid-South doing great, great things. Uh, they need our help and our support, and uh, we need to stand behind them 150%. So, as Lola plays us out, I uh, really uh, enjoyed the broadcast tonight. I hope you did as well. Uh, uh, program note, uh, Planet Chrome, hosted by Nicole. Comes on. Is that the name of the show? Hosted by Nicole. <laughs> She's looking at me like, what? 
comes on Friday nights at midnight going into Saturday morning. So midnight to 1 a.m. on Friday nights. It's a good show. I've actually caught it a couple of times on the archives. Not too bad. Not too bad for old dude. Not too bad. I mean, for me. Oh, oh. Anyway. Yeah, you're welcome. Lola's got shows, too, on satellite and the whole nine yards. These guys are big time. Anyway, uh, for, for Lola, for Brynn, for Nicole, I'm Chip. Thank you for supporting Real Talk Memphis. And until next time, I'm Chip, and we're out. We'll see you soon. It's real.